0: Welcome back, adventurers, to a well-deserved intermission for Season 3. I want to take some time to sit down and discuss some of the finer points and questions that have come up in the story so far. The Battle of Celestine Tower highlights some of the other cast's projects and what to expect in the future, including Season 4. Season 3 starts off with Keldor contemplating his faith and challenging whether or not uh, he should return to being that holy knight. El-Aviv is who returns him uh, to understanding the power that he has within himself. In the second episode, we then find ourselves on the streets of Ellington all over again. And it becomes apparent to the crowd and the onlookers that these six winds have returned, uh, these fabled heroes of old. When we enter into three, into the third episode uh, up until now, so all the way up through seven, so four episodes, it follows the events of the Battle of the Celestine Tower. Now, at the table, what this was, I actually was using the old Dragonlance module for Dragons of War, which was the Battle of the High Claris Tower, and in fact used a uh, scaled model that I had built to kind of fit the mood for it. And so the uh, times that I was like, you know what, I've always wanted to play this module, let's see how this goes. And so I took it and kind of made it fit. And the the shape of the tower, I, I, I love the way it was depicted in the paintings and, you know, uh, the diagrams. And so I I did a similar setup for the uh, Celestine Tower. It's just not the same purpose. It wasn't used to, you know, spoiler alert, trap dragons. The tower itself is a quarter mile high um, at its tallest spire and can see, you know, for miles around it hence the reason why it's in the center of the valley. Now it's about the same height as the Empire State Building so in order to make that scale at the table where I can build this big all-day war game I needed to build the tower essentially in a different scale. So instead of an inch being five feet it came down to a quarter of an inch was five feet and we made Little paper tokens that fit within an inch, and so within there, you know, you'd have 16 individual units that you could control. You see the little individual, you know, printed people that we put on each of these units. So we'd have like archer units, or then cavalry that's a little bit bigger because you have the horses involved. So, in those cases, you can put eight onto a square, or larger creatures that could take up, you know, 20 feet. whatever would fit within that square, you'd put them on there. Then I printed out dragons, and I actually put them on small sticks on uh, small glass stones, you know, the the craft stones that we've all seen. I just hot glued them on there so they they, kind of flew up uh, from that. And then uh, the tower itself stood four and a half feet. So you put it on the table and it was this impressive thing and then looks even more impressive when you see the little you know quarter inch people that consist of the the armies on either side the the way we built it was i had the events of what was happening outside uh going on as well as you know part of the party was inside and i put everything on a timer so there was 20 minutes was all i would i would allow for those daily actions to take place. So they just had these small skirmishes. Well, at one point, I actually allowed a ruling where the tower was making these trebuchet. And so we put a trebuchet out there and you know, we, a dragon came flying by. And according to the rule set that I had built, it fires off the trebuchet and it slams into the dragon and took out the dragon, to which, I had the players pitted kind of against each other, just to play out the battles. And you know, half the team was commanding the the knights, and the other half of the team was commanding the Dark Army of Palace. And so, when the dragon got taken out, the player in charge of Vix actually stated, "You know, that's impossible." And we started talking about you know, physics and how would it actually, you know, be able to aim a trebuchet at a flying object. And I ruled that it went with the rule of cool. That it's totally possible, not likely, but possible. Well, and according to the game set that I had built, that's the reason why. And it it caused a tiff at the at the table. And so that's just kind of a tongue-in-cheek moment when we have Vix actually saying that in the show. It just kind of harkens back to what actually happened at the table, where they they kind of <laughs> got into it a little bit. But that was. Uh, just one of those those funny game moments. Now, in the story for the, you know, Dragons of War, of course, it's very, you know, tied in with Dragonlance and those companions and all that stuff, and there's multiple different ways that the, the tower can be either defended or fall. In ours, it actually makes more sense that who came to their aid was the stone monks, the librarians of the ivory tower. So the battle system rules that I put together was a mixed bag of using the old battle system from 1st, 2nd edition there, D&D. It was similar to that in the size and shapes of the squares that were utilized at the table. I coupled it with wanted it not to be just unit versus unit, but even brought it down to where you could have it at a skirmish level if so needed. So it was an epic setup. So that's where Benedict was able to shine or where, you know, Keldor was able to shine or, or, or what have you. When their unit would clash with another, we'd roll the results, take the casualties out, of course, leaving out the the VIPs from that collateral damage, and then put them on the table in that formation. So we'd have the formation versus formation onto the table into their own squares. And then we had some rules set up to where the siege engine fire, or you roll every round to see if there's a hail of arrows. and It's all random across the board, so it gives that sense of the chaos of battle. Uh, It wasn't a perfect system, but it was fun, and I think I'll bring it back at some point. I liked the way it was set up. So this all-day war game where you have hundreds and hundreds of combatants on the table, I wanted to take us down to the level where we could empathize with the individual soldier. And that's the story I wanted to present in the four-episode arc of the Battle of the Selstein Tower. Season 3 has brought on some serious voice talent, and I wanted to take a moment to recognize some of these entertaining bios that we have listed for our cast. Sonny Alyssa Wolf is an annoying theater kid from Lepore, Colorado, a tiny nowhere town 30 minutes outside of Fort Collins. She loves adventure and seeks it through the arts. This, however, will be her first time ever voice acting. New to the Colorado art scene, Elizabeth Riggs is an actor, improviser, voiceover artist, and cat lover. Heath Martin has been a performer since he could form words, an accomplished gospel and R&B singer who was most notably was signed to megastar manager Dick Scott and an artist-in-waiting on Blackground Universal Records under the name A.M. or Anthony Martin during the early 2000s with label mates Aliyah, Tank, and Outsiders for Life. Heath changed his focus to stage, film, and voice acting in 2017 with appearances alongside Michael Madsen in 2019 film Silence in 2020 and Retribution and other independent projects. Voice acting created a new outlet for Heath, and he fell in love with the art form immediately. Coaching from his mentor, the amazing Steve Blum, the voice of Wolverine and many others, to David Soblov, the voice of Grodd on CW The Flash, and Everett Oliver, legendary booth director. Heath has had many voiceover roles in video games, web dramas, radio theater, narration, online D&D role-playing adventures of note, promo, animation, and movie trailers, but to date, one of Heath's favorite projects to work on was The Killer Gin, an independent video game. Cheyenne is a writer, editor, and podcaster with far too many projects in the works at once. You can find her poetry, fiction, and fangirling on podcasts like Alternative Stories and Fake Realities, Word Wonk Pod, and The Story Vault not scribbling she's usually climbing trees practicing martial arts and using funny voices to read to her cat Tyler Cauldron is originally from the great state of Texas and he's currently in Idaho enjoying the cold and doing voice work for various projects Brad Colebrook is a voice actor and audio editor who really needs a nap. Harlan Guthrie is a creative nerdy medium sized dynamo best served with a plate of hot wings he is a writer, voice actor, editor charismatic leader, cheerleader and partner to the benevolent GM Joe if not working on Dice Shame, you can put him in the audio drama Malevolent, Pulling the Strings, or streaming Wednesday nights on the Invictus stream. Similarly, one of the most entertaining and wonderful people you will ever meet, best experienced fresh. Born in the great state of Wisconsin, Patrick Kramer is now living in Colorado. Pat, with P-A-Q-T, loves improv and has many credits in film, commercials, and stage. He's so looking forward to building more experience in voiceovers. Ned Donovan is an actor, singer, fight director, and producer based out of New York City. He's been seen on stage all over the United States, and on screens big and small in projects for web, TV, and film. His action comedy rock musical mockumentary web series, The Hunted, Encore, has won more than 70 awards at 50 festivals worldwide. Currently he's releasing the third season of the critical hit, Nerdist, D&D podcast, Encounter Party. Joseph Duncan is an actor, amateur guitar player, and hobbyist writer based out of Ocean Shores, Washington. He's been on stage for eight years, having played anything from an eccentric man who carries his wife's ashes around in a jar of mayonnaise to a mercenary captain in an absurdist play. This is his first part in the exciting world of voiceover. Shannon Roby is a Virginia-based performer. Her nerd home is Paradise RPG, where she is a cast member and community manager. Jen has played a variety of roles on several streams and podcasts in TTRPG community, and she has recently discovered her love of voice acting. She is inspired daily by the creativity in the community and loves to collaborate with other content creators. Lex Zorn is a very experienced and prolific actor filmmaker based in Carmel, Indiana, USA. He's performed on screen or voiced more than 350 features, shorts, documentaries, commercials, and video games, and is always looking for his next adventure in film. Tal Menir is a South California-based podcaster, voice actor, and sound designer who cannot be stopped from making things. Their voice can be heard in Novotero, The Path Down, Sector Zero, Arden, and other audio fiction shows. Matthew M. Bianchi, hailing from the Pacific Northwest, Matthew splits his time between the games industry and voice acting. Michael Rigg is a transmedia creator from Chicago, Illinois. He's the author of the novels Clockwork Looking Glass and Clockwork Pandora, as well as the creator of the podcasts *Copperheart* and the Steamroller's Adventure Podcast. Scott C. Brown is most widely known for his film work with the cult hits The Gamers, Darkness Rising, and Gamers, Hands of Fate. He is an original cast member of the web series Journey Quest and editor of its third season. He is also in Humans and Households, Natural One, and other non gamer related films. In 2013, Scott moved into producing, found Two Bard's Productions along with Andy Dabrowski. They are the duo behind Two Bard's One Mike podcast. Sam Wigle is a Minneapolis-based photographer and podcaster. As co-host of the World Forge Podcast, he dedicates himself to helping his listeners build bigger and better and to spreading the joy of roleplay to new audiences. Piper Cleveland is a writer, illustrator, and podcaster based out of Minneapolis. As co-host of the World Forge Podcast, she dedicates herself to helping her listeners build bigger and better and to spreading the joy of roleplay to new audiences. David Tilster is the Dungeon Master for D&D 5e Actual Play Podcast From Afar Podcast. Cody Miller is an actor and writer in the Denver area. He received his BA in theater arts from the University of Northern Colorado in 2001. Since 2006, he's been involved in Avistrom, an interactive theater group based in the world of Harry Potter, where he's been an actor, writer, director, videographer, film editor, prop builder, and audio engineer. He's proud to portray Zoran and Dice Tower Theater's production of Dawn of Dragons. This list is far from exhaustive, As you can see, it showcases the level of talent that have joined us on board with this show and is greatly appreciated. Where do we go from here? Besides discovering what Dabria and Una are up to? Well, following the conclusion of this season, we'll be taking a bit of a break to try and get as much of the cast in to record at the same time following the delivery of the vaccine. This may cause a delay in the delivery of Season 4, but rest assured, we'll keep you up to date as we proceed safely. It's been a hard year for all of us. There's no small way that this pandemic has affected any of us listening to this show. The purpose of Dice Tower Theater was to provide notes back to My Table's Game. That was the original purpose. The original audience. And it's grown from there. And for that I'm very, very thankful. The pandemic has caused much strain between the party and I. I can't wait for this to go away. For things to return to a somewhat normal. It doesn't have to be the old normal. It's just, it just needs to be a normal. I miss my friends. I miss having the ability to tell them how much I love them, face to face, the role playing at the table, to share a drink, have a good laugh, to enjoy life together. Living in isolation has been hard. I know we've all been affected differently and different ways. I feel it's very important for the immediate group to record season four together. There's a spiritual process that happens, and I think it's much needed. We relive those moments, although those in imagination, there's something about it that feels somewhat real, at least echoes of real, and becomes more of a journey when we relive it together. For that, I feel it's worth the wait. But until then, I can tell you the script is written, and I'm very proud of it. So until next time, where we will find out more about the mysterious and dark Dabria and Una. Hmm. What lies in store for Zorn then, now that Benedict, Keldor, and Elvive have left. So stay safe, adventurers. And remember the oath.